When you're getting back into your busy fall routine but still want to make every breakfast count, try Blue Apron's new ready-to-cook meals that offer your favorite fresh quality ingredients ready in minutes. With 60-plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high-quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW-recommended, and health-conscious offerings. Get a $100 gift card, plus enjoy $130 off across your first six orders when you place an order by September 23rd. Visit blueapron.com unique2022. You know, it's very difficult sometimes for Utah state legislators to take a a really strong position about the LDS church, the Mormon church. That's why Steve Urquhart waited until he was out of the legislature to take this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, He did make some comments recently in the news about uh, the strong, strong influence uh, of the LDS church on the legislature. And uh, former Senator Urquhart gave voice to a lot of things that we uh, have all suspected about that influence on the legislature, but he said it out loud and kind of confirmed what many people have believed is the case all along. So uh, we had a nice, very nice long chat here uh, about politics in Utah, about the role of religion in politics in Utah, and uh, also about... uh, How did uh, Steve Urquhart, who's still a a Republican, uh, get to be the kind of a Republican that you can really like? (laughs) It's uh, former state senator and representative Steve Urquhart on the Let's Go Eat Show. Start your food will be up in a minute. The Let's Go Eat Show food? Yeah, the food for the Let's Go Eat Show. (laughs) Yeah, this is is the Let's Go Eat Show and... uh, uh, it, there have been occasions lately where we haven't been eating on the Let's Go Eat Show, and then people complain. Well, I didn't hear you munching things in the microphone, which is, it's so disgusting. I want to hear you do it. So, okay. Uh, so uh, here we are we're with our guest, Steve. You know, Steve, I always have the feeling I'm mispronouncing your last name. Let me hear it. Urquhart. Yeah, Urquhart. Yeah, Urquhart. Yeah, Steve Urquhart. Yeah, I mean, I answer to anything. It's it's Scottish. It's actually Urquhart, but that sounds even dumber. Well, so. Maybe I should call you uh, Senator. Uh, no, not Senator anymore. Yeah, right? former, has been. Former state Senator Steve Urquhart. Has been Steve Urquhart. Uh, Republican, uh, one of the f- uh, few Republicans I ever met that I said, oh, that's a good guy. Uh, no, that's not true. I knew a lot of, I've known a lot of good Republicans in, in my life, but... Uh, uh, you would be considered probably a pretty liberal <laughs> Republican. Are you still a Republican? Yeah, I am. I mean, I'm uh, fiscally conservative. I believe in small government, all of that. Uh, all of the social stuff, I'm pretty agnostic. So maybe that's more libertarian. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, you were a state senator from St. George uh, representing uh, whatever that whole district is there. Right, so eight years in the House, um, starting in 2001, uh, and then eight years in the Senate. Sixteen years uh, dealing with the Utah State Legislature. So that's how many governors? That was four governors. I loved every minute of it. Um, you know, sometimes constituents and stuff could get a little worked up and long hours and all that. But uh, it's kind of like if you love boxing, you know, you're going to take some punches and it's part of it. And I just, I loved the whole deal. So you're also, you're an attorney. Right. Correct. And uh, what kind of law have you specialized in? You know, that was a tough part of the legislative gig is uh, finding how to figuring out how to make a living along with that uh, quote unquote part time job that took all my time. So I was with uh, just my own small law practice and then joined a big firm, seeing if that might work. And uh, finally, I just ended up doing corporate counsel work. Gave up my office. I just did it out of my home. Figured if I wasn't going to make any money, I can at least cut overhead. Mm-hmm. And so I just had a few businesses that uh, they were big enough to have ongoing problems, issues, uh, but small enough where they didn't have uh, in-house counsel. So I was outhouse counsel. Outhouse counsel? Yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand how uh, legislators, unless they're independently wealthy business people. I don't understand how you guys can do it, how how it is, because when the legislature's in session now, it's only for, what, 90 days? How 45. 40, only 45 days. But then you have, you know, anything your constituents need all year long, 
you're doing it. You don't really have uh, staff to do it, and uh, we have meetings throughout the year. No, I never really figured out that part about how to make a living. Uh, uh, now there are guys. Future. There are guys who already have their kind of their their money made, mm-hmm. and that that's easy on them. But I just I don't see how you possibly could do it. You're, did your wife work? Yeah, she started a business. Um, fortunately, she was very successful at that, and that's what kept us going. Uh, Altitude Summit, it was a conference for social media mavens, so design-minded people. Yeah, it was kind of a big deal. It was, it was a lot of fun. She's still doing that? She sold a year ago, so or, or this past year. So she sold that, and we picked up stakes and came to Salt Lake. Kind of a new beginning for us. Kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, let's go back, uh, Steve uh, Urquhart, uh, where, you know, you're not from Utah. We're going to go back into your past a little bit here. Not from Utah originally. Should I lay down for this on the couch? <laughs> no, it's okay. okay. It's okay. You don't have to. Uh, I'm not going to psychoanalyze you, uh, <laughs> although you may end up psychoanalyzing yourself if I know anything. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, so you're not from Utah. I can hear it in your voice, and I want to say you told me that you were from Texas. Yeah, so I'm from Texas. Um, went to school in Massachusetts, a small liberal arts college, Williams College, and so we were studying the Iliad, and uh, the first class I was in, and first time I ever spoke, uh, I forget what the question was. I said, well, Agamemnon and his troops, they were fixing to get in the boats. And uh, so the professor said, yeah, well, the, the answer is correct, but let me help you with the grammar. Mm. So I'm like, ah, I should have gone to the <laughs> University of Texas. <laughs> yeah, that'd be okay down there, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're to fix. It's a, it's a hefty verb. I yeah. mean, it can carry multiple <laughs> meanings. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so you go to the liberal arts college, and you go to law school. Where'd you go to law school? BYU. So you you were born into the Mormon Church, or did you join? No. Um, so my family's kind of a mutt family, and uh, uh, so one of my brothers. So they're like two sets of boys, you know, two that they were like, you know, eighteen, fourteen years older than me, and another brother, mm. and uh, so they were. It was a wild place. Uh, uh, I mean, your Texas town? No, my home. Oh, your home. I mean, it? it was it was interesting in a lot of ways. And uh, anyway, so you know, you're skirting over that a little. bit. I kind of am. Yeah. You know, family turmoil, all that great stuff. Um, uh, so we had some friends that were Mormons, and and my brother and I went with them, and we joined the Mormon Church when I was ten. And uh, thank heavens, it was a good stabilizing thing. It really was good for us, something much needed. It, 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 it's kind of like the, the same reason that some kids in uh, poor neighborhoods in L.A. and places like that give for joining a gang. <laughs> I mean, really, isn't yeah. it? I mean, it was you, you found a sense of identity. Yeah. You sound, found some protection from whatever was going on. And we won't go into it, whatever well, we was were, going on. We, it was, you know, we were pretty unstable, the family. And, yeah. and the Mormon Church, it kind of lays out a blueprint and it provided some stability, some structure, uh, you know, a lot of really good adults and other kids that we interacted with. It was a very positive thing for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, the rest of your family, your other two brothers and Mother and father, there just they just went on their merry way doing whatever they were doing. Yeah, so my mom and one brother uh, joined. Yeah. Oh, really? So, so three of you. Right. Yeah, and uh, and I, you know, I'm not going to pry too much, but the rest of the family, your your dad and another sibling or two. Yeah, they did not join. So this is a podcast. Can we can we cuss on this? Oh shit, yes. <laughs> okay. So I I went on a mission to. So my dad, he, uh, I mean, he's brilliant, but he's the original Bubba, and so he he joined the Navy a week after he turned sixteen, right before World War II. And I mean, he's he's a hard guy, and so uh, I went to on a mission to Brazil, and so got home. And uh, so I figured, you know, this this crusty old guy, he needs to find Jesus. And uh, so it's I like started. A, you're, you're you're proselytizing to the Brazilians, and now you're going to proselytize. Yeah, why not? Why, sure. why not my old man? You yeah. know, heaven might have a place for him. And so uh, I'm talking to him about it, and you know, so Joseph Smith, he prayed in the Sacred Grove. So uh, he said, "Son, you seem you seem reluctant to talk to me about the proposition that that God talks to." to men and women and he said I, don't be reluctant he says i believe it i i see it every day i see people who talk to god and i'm like wow cool he said but you know what uh 
from the people I see, he must tell them some crazy ass shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I said, "Hey, you want to go to the Astros game?" He said, "That'd be a good idea." Yeah. So, so you you stayed fairly close to to your to your dad and all of that, even though you joined the church and went off. And- yeah, I mean, he's an interesting dude. I mean, um, I mean, he died four years ago. Just just truly an interesting guy. A mm-hmm. lot of charisma. Um, just wild as wild can be. Um, you know, I, I like the, that you said he's a, the, an original Bubba. He was a, te- a Texas wild man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he was very supportive of, uh, of my brother and I being in the Mormon church. Uh, you know, he, he, he knew what he wasn't providing and, uh, you know, like a stable family, and yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, the oldest two brothers, there were there were a lot of issues there mm-hmm. that uh, stability might have corrected, and so he was he was grateful for the Mormon Church. He <laughs> he had no interest in it, but mm-hmm. uh, was was glad that we were involved. Uh, so uh, you grow you grow up uh, being a, a Mormon kid in Texas, mm-hmm. uh, big town, small town. Where Houston. were you? You're in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, uh, thank you, uh, Dylan. We, so we have breakfast from the, uh, uh, and by the way, now we, uh, I f- feel perfectly free to eat on the air and you on the microphone and you should too, Steve. Okay. That's great. Uh, don't, don't, don't hesitate a bit. Thank you. Dylan. Uh, uh, but we have to eat our, eat with our fingers apparently. Oh, there it is. Um, so, um, so you're so you're a Mormon church kid in Texas in Houston. Yep. Uh, you go to you go to school liberal arts school, and then you decide to go to law school at at BYU, uh, and you come to Utah for the first time when you went to BYU. Uh, so, my junior year of college, um, they like the students. Williams College, they like the students to go somewhere else. So I came out to BYU that year as an undergrad mm-hmm. and uh, uh, figured that was a great opportunity to make out with some Mormon chicks and um, <laughs> so I mm-hmm. took advantage of that mm-hmm. and that was awesome um, and had a great year uh, I'm a biology major so was involved in uh, a bear study that they had going on in the LaSalle mountains and so we would uh, trap bears and radio collar them and chase them all around the mountains that's a sounds beautiful. dangerous uh, was it dangerous at all oh, yeah it was it, yeah naturally it's dangerous because you're working with bears plus we were kind of stupid so that made it really dangerous <laughs> at times but uh Be- beautiful place to spend some time oh my know. gosh and so i was low man on the job and uh part of what we were doing we were seeing what the bears were eating and bears they're tough to observe so the way you see what they eat is you see what they ate and Mm -hmm. so we would check our traps and process the bears and in the morning and then the rest of the day i would go around looking for bear shit Mm -hmm. uh which we would gather and i gathered i think it was 600 samples it was it was (laughs) i I like to work and man Mm -hmm. i can work so uh so you know then Spent that winter kind of picking through the bear shit, dried it out, and was counting out ant heads um, oh, man. because cause the ant heads don't digest. And so when bears are really stressed and hungry, there's nothing else to eat. They will just eat ant beds. So that was a way to see how they were doing. Uh, but so if, if anyone ever asks you if a bear shit's in the woods, you send them my way. I, because I, he definitely. Yeah. So definitely. How, how long were you out there total? Um was out there for the summer, so three, four months, and then oh, uh, you brought the bear shit back with you. Yes, that's when you were going. Mm-hmm. We dried it, and then I went back to Williams College, but came out in uh, the winter, uh, December, January, to count ant heads and bear shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've, I, and I'll, I'll ask a question of Bill, well, so you can start. Yeah, you food. can have a bite of your sandwich there. Uh, anytime I've gone to a national park or uh, uh, down the rivers or things like that, and I see the cabins where the forest people the forest rangers live i couldn't do it i couldn't i think i'm too afraid of nature to move out into the wilderness for months at a time i would i think i'd have a panic attack well i'm afraid of bears (laughs) i I mean i am i'm just whenever i'm out camping or something i i I really do think ever you know but bill do you think you could could you do that could you go live out in a little cabin sure clear away Mm -hmm. and not really yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I could be away I from civil. Of nature, then. I could be away from civilization. You know, that wouldn't bother me. But. So working the bears, that all worked out fine. Um, 
Uh, we caught we caught one year old, and Mama was out running around. She wasn't happy about it, so that was a lot of. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are some tense moments um, getting the cub out without being attacked by mom. And the scariest things I had, uh, it was just when I was out looking for bear shit, uh, had um, two bears that I saw them, they didn't see me. And I'm like, I'm going to see how close I can get. And so I was, uh, you know, the wind was blowing in the right direction. So I'd sneak up uh, a few feet at a time while they were, you know, eating loudly or whatever it was. And so I got I got super close. Yeah. And black bears, if they see you, they'll run away. You're They're, literally poking the bear. No, I was, I was completely poking mm-hmm. the bear. And so I got super close. I mean, probably 10, 15 feet away, and they don't like that. So they charge, both of them. So, I mean, first one did it. And so, I mean, I'm just, oh, uh, mm. just beyond frightened. And so I'm like, those stupid, 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 never again, never again. And then two weeks later. I'll I try that thing, again. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever see that uh, uh, documentary, Grizzly Man? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's I did. Pretty it does Werner Herzog? Wasn't yeah, it? Werner Herzog. Yeah. Pretty uh, a great documentary, and uh, and I'd heard and I had heard the story of that guy before I ever saw the documentary. But yeah. the guy went and lived with the yeah, bears. Yeah, what's it? Yeah, give what is it about? Well, it's it's about. Uh, uh, is this guy? He was not a trained uh, person at all. No, he was just pretty crazy. Yeah, he was just kind of a nut. But he went. And it was in Alaska, I, I believe, and he went uh, and to to study the bears. That's what he wanted to do: is study bears, and and he did, and he did it for a long time. Um, and he and I guess and I, and I guess he made some pretty, uh, actually, some pretty detailed and and useful observations of the. Of how bears act in the wil- woods and in the wilderness and all of that, and and he kept records and studied bears, but he but he was, and he so he started naming these bears, and and so he but just he's filming all of this. He's he also filmed it all the time. Brought his yeah. camcorder and a bunch of tapes mm-hmm. and filmed recorded every stuff, day. and and he um, and 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 he did this for a number of years, and he and he also had a couple of different women in his life that. Went and lived lived in tents with him up there, and, it, and he would go. He would be there for months and months and months at a time, and then uh, uh, finally he uh, and he would give the bears names, and he would get up really close to them. And so, so not to spoil the ending, but I found his teeth in a pile of bear shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, wait, but literally? No, well, I mean that's well, I didn't find his he teeth, didn't, but but and and uh, he recorded everything and. I don't know. We give it away because it's the story was known. He was, uh, he and his, this woman he was with. They were in a tent. There were bears all around, and they were. It was at night, and uh, there was an attack. The bears attacked the tent and and killed and and kind of I think ate a bunch of both of them. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I think they ate enough of them or dragged them far enough away that it's a little bit of a mystery if they died during that attack or not. Well, anyway, there was a there, there were cameras rolling though. He had a camera rolling the whole time, like he always did, and pretty much his, his death by bear is being is recorded on camera. I think the really a really effective part of that documentary is, you know, Werner Herzog, who's a strange dude, but yeah. but a brilliant filmmaker. Uh, he 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 gets the film of the guy being eaten by the bear and. I don't remember if it was exactly he promised the, his family or uh, the guy's family or sister that he would not show the death, mm-hmm. but he said, "But then uh, they allowed me to they allowed me to see the footage," <laughs> and he I, and they show he shows himself going into this room and mm-hmm. then he comes out and he said, "We we could never put this in the film. It is just too you know." And he and yeah. he just ma- makes it almost even worse yeah, yeah. because you imagine what it looks like but i i really have a massive thing for bears ever since that really and, uh uh you know i know this is morbid morose but uh yeah if i could pick my way it would be way to go it would be death by bear really oh yeah death by grizzly <laughs> it's just because i love the animal you know you got to go some way it'd be better than like i don't know just Choke, choking on my own vomit or something. Well, wouldn't it be like better to go like you just you go you say good say good night to your family and you go to bed and then for, you just don't wake up? Wouldn't that? Yeah, but that's boring. 
No, I, so I, I want death to be boring. No, so I tell my kids the way I, the way I, the way I really want to go is I want it. So there'd have to be some level of stupidity involved because I want to go some way that they can't help but crack up anytime they tell the story and whoever they're telling it to. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sorry. That's geez, that's that's horrible. That's what my stupid dad did. Yeah. Um, okay. So I like that. Let's go back to. Where I want, where I was gonna go before he sort of veered off into bears, is you're a um, a convert to the Mormon Church at a young age, and you're living in Texas and going to uh, going to Mormon Church in Texas, and then you come to Utah and uh, take up residency, being a BYU student, and when you come to Utah, you're dealing with a whole different kind of Mormon. Yeah, and so you know, I guess let me s- skip ahead and say I no longer go to the Mormon Church. Um, so I guess we'll we'll take the narrative forward in, mm-hmm. in some form. But uh, yeah, I was I was all in, and so to come to Provo um, and live there uh, among a bunch of Mormons and firesides and. Uh, devotionals and and all of that honor I'm, code. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you know, I always kind of bristled at honor code and <laughs> a lot of those things. I mean, I I really tried to be a good Mormon. Um, I really did, and and succeeded in in several ways. But you know, I'm a, I am a father's son, so <laughs> strained at a few things. But uh, uh, no, I loved it. Thoroughly loved it, and you got you got married here. You, did you marry a Utah girl? I did. Utah we got Mormon married girl. in the St. George Temple. Mm-hmm. Had a family. Yeah, we have four kids and raised, raised in the Mormon raised church. Raised in the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we started. Um, so I think I was the one. I I started to not believe, and that had something to do with uh, our oldest child. Our oldest child. Um, she just she's her own person and uh, uh she she's just completely her own person so it was it was a, a weird fit for her in the church and in St. George um so you know i'm she I'm, didn't fit in didn't Come fit on. in at all i mean she's in San Francisco now and has her tribe just very happy and mm-hmm. how old is she packed social calendar um she's going to be 22 um, born on my birthday, my first child born on my birthday. Um, so that's how you, uh, and, I, and I remember this part of the narrative, we talked about this when we first met, you kind of came into uh, prominence. Now, I, I, I mean, I don't think I'd ever heard of you, and you'd been in the legislature for a long time. But uh, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, you'd, uh, you were one of the first... Maybe the first. You uh, you think you're the first person to ever put a, a put forward a bill in the state legislature uh, uh, that would give would would give rights to certain privilege or rights to LGBT people in Utah. Yeah. So um, my goal was always to stay out of the media, especially the first two weeks of the session. Um, <laughs> You know, I'd always tell my family if I'm if I'm in news articles the first two weeks of the session, just slap me when I walk through the door because, you know, the only things that make the news those first two weeks are just the <laughs> stupid, embarrassing bills. And mm-hmm. um, but by and large, I think the legislature can do its job um, and not mug for the cameras too much. Just kind of do the blocking and tackling. Just be quiet about things and boy that completely went out the window my last three years there no, i was no a kidding. total media whore um <laughs> did you get to kind of enjoy it in a way i really did yeah. i loved it i loved it um but yeah that was because of uh lgbt issues so brandy balkan she was over equality utah she came down to st george probably 2012 and she's a lovely person yeah i love brandy and so she said look here's Equality Utah, we we really want to include sexual orientation, gender identity in um, the non-discrimination laws of the state for employment and housing. 
here's why, and laid out the reasons. And I said, you know, that's great. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think my constituents are uh, not going to do anything for you. Have a nice trip home. And uh, so we remained friends. She was very good. And um, probably the biggest thing to do with my transformation was my oldest daughter. She, going into her senior year, um, that would have been, I think, 14. she no 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 it would have been earlier than that I messed I messed up the date that would have been that would have been that would have been 2010 that Brandy mm-hmm. came down and so yeah I would have been now about, she didn't just go to you I mean she went to other legislators kind of trying to find somebody who would or did she just come to you well or why I, did she pick while you? she was down there I think she she visited but I think she she figured okay this guy might get it and he might help out was that based on. Something she knew of your record in the legislature? I think just because I'm a cool dude, Bill. Is that what it was? Yeah. That was that cool dude down in St. George. Um, so her senior year of high school, eh, my dates are all screwed up here. So what about 2011 or something? My oldest daughter, um, I said, what are you going to do this year? She says, well, I'm going to do debate. I'm going to do this, going to do that, going to be president of the Gay Straight Alliance. Gonna, I'm like, da, 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 da. <laughs> go back, go back. And then... Uh, so I said, "What? what's with this? She said, are you asking if I'm gay? I said, well, probably more things than that, but yeah, sure. And uh, she said, no, I'm not. Um, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm an ally. My friends are bullied and picked on. And um, So I said, look, this is going to give me political problems. And so if you're doing it just to do it, how about you don't do it? Um, but if this is some, you know, let someone else be president and but if this is something that really matters to you, then, you know, I, I love you more than this political gig. So if if you decide to do it, if it really matters, then let's do this. And mm-hmm. so she thought about it, and she said, I'm doing it. And I said, okay, cool, then we're doing it. It's it's interesting to me that uh, it just, and, I'm, and I, I guess it's stupid of me, but it just seems so strange that just the very fact of your daughter being president of a gay straight alliance in, in at a school in St. George would somehow cause you political problems. Oh my gosh, it's uh, just amazing. You know, I I really wish I would have kept it. I have no idea why I didn't um, keep this, but a constituent, uh, uh, Marta Har, sent me the nastiest email ever, just uh, talking about how. Uh, you know, my my daughter is evil and horrible, and uh, you know, Sarah and I must be horrible parents to raise her. And you know, I mean, making assumptions that she's gay, and I mean, who the hell cares if she is? And mm-hmm. but um, so her intent in that was to move me, and it did move me. I mean, that that hit hard and moved me the opposite direction she thought it would. And I'm like, wow, this is, you know, so that personalized it yeah and uh, you know then the main thing that uh changed me is just seeing zell's friends uh they were over at the house a lot and this is something i'm embarrassed to admit it but i i admit it often because hopefully it will help some people think um i used to see uh if i knew someone was gay that's what i saw first and foremost um, it's like, you know, I served in the legislature with Jackie Biskupski and Jackie was gay and she liked Willie Nelson and she was cool and fun mm-hmm. to hang out. But that's the first thing I saw. And, you know, yeah. uh, Scott McCoy was in the Senate. Well, Scott's gay and he's a lawyer and he's brilliant and, you know, mm-hmm. all of this. And But that is really the first thing I saw. I mean, that's prejudice, right? And uh, I didn't see a human who happened to do all these other things. And so with Zell's friends, you know, she was always a bit of an outcast. And what I saw is I saw these kids who loved my daughter. And she would laugh when she was with them. She'd have a great time. And uh, some of them really needed haircuts. And they probably could have done without so many piercings. And, oh, yeah, and I guess some of them are gay. I have no idea which ones are, but... But, man, God, I just love that they love my daughter. And, you know, so it, it humanized things. And, uh, again, what an embarrassing thing to admit. But uh, I just started seeing, I guess, I, how do you say that? I, I, I saw less and less of someone's sexual orientation. It's just 
these are people and, yeah. and they're struggling through something. So now I'm to the flip side where I see people who are outcasts and struggling. And I guess my daughter taught me this and I'm just, they're my people. I don't, I don't really give a shit about what the details are. Just if they can use uh, help, then, then I'm going to help out. Uh, then, then um, did you contact uh, Brandy Balkan and say, remember that conversation we had? Um, so, okay, let me, now, now we're getting into the historical record, so let me get this right, <laughs> 15, 14, 13, 2013, um, in January during the session, uh, or this probably in early February, the last day to file a bill, Brandy came up to me and, uh, she said, hey, we thought we had a Republican sponsor to run the non-discrimination legislation, uh, he backed out. We it either needs to be filed today or we can't run it this year. That would be a huge disappointment. Wondering if and I said, "Do you want me to run it?" And she said, "Yeah." I said, "I'm there. Let's do it." And uh, I mean, that was the extent of the conversation. And so she was kind of dumbfounded because I think she'd wound herself up for a big persuasive uh, conversation. I said, "No, you. I remember what we talked about a few years ago. I've watched my daughter, and let's do this. It's time." And uh, it's it was just. A hell of a ride ever since then just a blast uh you um so you introduced it uh, that time and it went nowhere not quite so <laughs> ran it that year and our goal was to get it through committee and uh went to committee uh knowing that i had um uh, uh three votes uh for it um i needed a fourth vote and thought ahead uh, two two senators who, you know, and I, I mean, I'm just, I'm smarter than this, more experienced than this by this point. They're like, oh, you know, these, I'm really persuaded by a lot of the things you say. I mean, you raise some good points and I could see, you know, blah, 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 BS, BS, BS. And so, man, they weren't, I mean, this is like right, right before we go into the committee. Hey, have you thought about it? Yeah, you know, still the same, great mm-hmm. arguments. And then both those two, they just tee off. I mean, these things that they've been preparing for weeks. I'm like, ah, oh, you bastards. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, so I, you know, one of those was going to be my fourth. So I didn't have a fourth. And so I'm just like, oh, this is, this is bad. This is horrible. Because I was telling people, no, I think we, I think we have it. We're going to pass out a committee. And so room full of people, they were excited for it to pass out. And so they, you know, all in favor say aye and uh, you know, three people said I all opposed, and so four people said no, and um, so then the chair said, "All right, who who voted I?" And you know, let me see your hands. So by this point, I'm looking down. I'm just like, "Oh, this is horrible. This is horrible." And so the chair said, "Okay, this passes out four to three. And so I'm like, oh, "That's a miscount." No, wait, somebody changed there, and it wasn't one of those two and so huh. so i look up and ralph okerland um from monroe you know richfield i've met him he's a stud man and so he's uh, really conservative well I, yeah and i mean you talk about i mean i'm worried about my constituency it's from richfield utah and so so i'm looking at ralph ralph's looking at me and i mean you can tell he just has one of these looks on his face like oh shit what what did i do what did i do and so so uh uh you know we go back to the chamber and so uh yeah did he tell you did he did he tell you what what i mean cuz it literally changed from the voice vote to yeah. the to the I think to the did. to the whatever you call I, it when you, when you I think it did. I think voice vote. I think he voted no, and then because he thought it was going to pass. Yeah, he thought one of those two. I mean, he'd probably had the same conversations, and so we got back to the chambers, just the two of us. And I'm like, Ralph, what did you do? He said, I don't know. And uh, does he say why he did? And I no. And so uh, uh, you know, I did circle back with him a couple weeks later. I said, Ralph, explain it to me. He said it was it just needed some more discussion and uh, and it, he's still up there right he didn't oh kill, yeah it, it, didn't, did, it did not kill him with his constituents no and i think the thing is uh i'm really proud of the legislature you know i mean as, as you see i'll i'll take them on on issues mm-hmm. alcohol reform or whatever it is but things i love um you know i i don't think they're out of bounds of criticism i think people who know about them need to criticize for improvement. I'm super proud of the legislature. And when you do tough things, bold things, it, it helps you. And so everyone looked at Ralph on that. And I think there was 
a lot of agreement that it should have that victory. It was just time. And uh, so Ralph just stuck his neck out, I think, very unexpected. I think he had no intention of doing that. Mm-hmm. But when, when, yeah, when those other two, uh, <laughs> you know, came out yep. swinging bats, he uh, uh, bumped it forward. And that's all we got. There. And then the next year, we didn't. We didn't even have the debate because that was right after the Kitchens case came out. And Derek, uh, Derek Kitchen, yeah, who's versus now, Herbert, yeah. who's now a, a, a city councilman. Yeah, so the Judge Shelby decision uh, mm-hmm. that same sex is the marriage is the law of the land. Yeah, you know, I think in the movie, you know, so in the movie of that day, and Okerlund changes his vote, right? It's so he then goes home and. Like he has a gay family member who changed him, maybe. Like you, but mean, you don't know, you know, like your daughter did with you, just a family member who. Who knows? I you know write I, the script. I, yeah, write the script. That might be some artistic license there. I, I think Ralph just, you know, again, I being part of the legislature. Uh, you know, if you're if you're not conservative, you're not going to like a lot of the outcomes. But mm-hmm. I think the process. I think the discipline. To me, I feel like I played for the New York Yankees. I think that that body really knows what it's doing. It it really has discipline. I, uh, you know, bring it on. If you guys want to challenge the legislature, I'll I'll wrestle you right here and now. I I love that body, and to me, Ralph was uh, just showing the very best of of what it does. Is you know, here's a group that it's been on the outside of the state. It's time. It needs to have a bit of a victory. Do Do we want to talk about that? Well, it's we, we will. You're talking about the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the body you'll go to bat for and wrestle me for. You know, the House, it may be a different matter. <clears throat> you know, it's, they're the ones who just, you know, have stood in the way. And now it's uh, become a moot point probably, but it stood in the way of Medicaid expansion for so long. You know, and, and people getting sick and dying, be damned. They don't give a shit, you know? Well, I'm, I'm, I was speaking about the legislature as a whole. I, I, uh, spent eight years in both bodies, very proud of both. Part of it is they're two very different bodies by yeah. design. Um, so my first week in the Senate, uh, so I'd spent eight years in the House, four of those in leadership. And uh, Wayne Niederhauser, he's now president, but he was just a rank-and-file member. He was running a bill, and so I came up to him on the floor with my hair on fire, just, you know, Wayne, this this bill is a nightmare because of blah, 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 and I'm just laying into him. He said, Steve, you're in the Senate now. If you don't like the bill, I'll circle it, and we can, we can have a discussion and work this out. I'm like, whoa, you, you do that? He says, yeah, yeah, that's how the Senate works. I'm like, wow, because in the House, you know, I mean— you tell someone, I don't like your bill, they say, I don't care, go find 37 friends and defeat it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's really a rough-and-tumble body. Um, when I was whip in the house, uh, uh, you sit on the back row so you can kind of keep an eye on folks. When I needed someone's attention, I just hit them in the back of the head with an M&M. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's, that's kind of the nature of that body. And so the house is, you know, it's... An interesting thing for me was going out and walking people's districts. I do think that they tend to be very representative of their districts. And mm-hmm. so to the extent— um, what, what, what about those—I uh, mean, there are surveys that have shown or a poll. People take a poll and they say—and it says, it seems to me, though, that the legislature, <clears throat> and I think particularly the House, but—and uh, you know what I'm going to say, more conservative probably than their constituents— yeah, I mean, now I think that the the surveys that count are the ones that we have every other November. I mean, I think the voting, and these people continue to be voted in, which I think suggests they are reflective of the folks. Well, let me put it this way, reflective of the people who vote, the people who are in the process. Now, it will be interesting to see uh, with, with Count My Vote and the way that the— uh, caucus and delegate process has changed i mean you know today we're going to vote and um, probably well can we talk about yeah we'll, what so yeah, we can talk about whatever anything so um you know probably mayor curtis is going to win that having come in uh, like, john curtis uh, there's a it, the the elections going on today a uh, three party yeah. or three person people the republican, primary, republican right, yeah, yeah. 
Curtis is the mayor of Provo. Yeah, who came in. He's the only one of those three that doesn't scare the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, so so John's fairly moderate and came in sixth or seventh in convention. I have no idea why he went through the convention process. But, um, you know, if he comes in sixth or seventh in convention and then wins – the primary oh, that's that tells you something yeah. it, it does and so i think our politics probably are changing in this state and i think we are seeing we will see outcomes that probably are a bit more reflective of the constituency i hadn't thought of that but that's yeah i mean that really does it it would show you if assuming he wins it uh it's very tight i know but it, it would say yeah the convention people who do this all the stuff in the conventions are very hardcore and and uh, but then when you put these guys out for a vote, um, they're they're a little more forgiving and liberal and so forth. Didn't the uh, similar thing happen with the governor, right, Gary Herbert, yeah. and uh, the Jonathan other guy, Jonathan Johnson? Uh, jo- and he won Young. the convention, and he was way more conservative yeah. than Gary Herbert. Mm-hmm. But Gary yeah. Herbert won the popular vote, right? Yeah, the primer. So will this be a repeat of that? Or I mean, if Herod, of course, wins, then uh, people can say, well, the mm-hmm. the the convention process works just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gary, Gary Herbert, uh, a man of the people. You know, I mean, he really is. Uh, he is. You know, he's he's your he's your uncle Gary. He's your next door neighbor. He's your, you know, he's Gary. He's Gary. Yeah. Um, uh, since we're here, uh, uh, so this direct phone line that goes from Temple Square up to the Capitol, up to right, is there a direct? Do they do, or is there? Well, you're just going to jump right is, into this, uh-huh. aren't you? Well, I was going to ease into it. You know? Nope, we're here. Uh, is or does does God talk directly to the legislature? Does he does he talk to the prophet? Right. He phones him up. Tell right. me, what do you think about so, the uh, separation? Hey, hang on. I was being. I was giving you both a second to have a bite of your food. Oh, okay. Well, I was. I, I choked being, on that bite. Being a little bit silly for a minute, no. but yeah. what I want to what I want to ask is about the separation of church and state in Utah. The, what, uh, Mormons what, are very what prevalent. separation of church and state? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that was the, yeah the joke. I so to so Steve, uh, uh, we we're we're talking to you today uh, because you popped up in the news again. You're not in the legislature anymore, but you st- you started talking about. Some uh, how, people just can't keep their yappers shut. Yeah, you didn't have to say anything about this. Why did this come up? You, you started talking about the influence that the Mormon Church has in the legislature and how they wield that influence. Okay. Now, it does make it does make some sense. Uh, Mike Christensen, he stepped down. He retired after running the uh, Legislative Office of Research and General Counsel. Mm-hmm. And John Cannon has been picked to replace him. And John uh, spent many years in legislative research and general counsel, but spent the last, oh, three years maybe, um, as the main lobbyist for the Mormon church. And so there were concerns in the media saying, hey, not cool that uh, this powerful entity uh, that their lobbyist is now going to run the Office of Legislative Research and General Counsel. We need a little more separation. So what people may not realize, just let's sort of make that a little clearer, <clears throat> there there are lobbyists who come up to Capitol Hill here in Utah, like they do in nationally, uh, representing businesses. Uh, they'll be the uh, the Association of Real Estate Agents, and they'll they'll hire a lobbyist to come up and and uh, uh, push bills. I'm sure there's somebody who lobbies on behalf of the radio industry, television people. I mean, a lot of businesses There must be, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I should do that. Oh, my God. Uh, I'd be a good lobbyist. Uh, No, I wouldn't. Nope. I'd be terrible. You'd be terrible. But, you know, people who come up and uh, they're lobbyists for for, uh, the hospital association, uh, for the power company, uh, for, 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 uh, you know, any number of uh, businesses and and chari- charitable pe- lobbyists and um, uh, pet, lobby- uh, pet rescue lobbyists and all of that kind of and the Mormon Church also has a designated lobbyist and it was this guy what's his name again John Cannon John Cannon so I posted on Facebook saying I have big issues with how the Mormon Church lobbies the legislature and how it uh, controls so much of the politics in the state. However, that being said, I'm fine with John Cannon running the Office of Legislative Research and General Counsel. John is awesome. So that was the post I put out. Mm-hmm. 
so why? I mean, it seems odd that you are fine with it. We're fine with that because I mean, he may be a man of great integrity, but still, um, there's there's again, like I said, I feel like I played for the New York Yankees. There's a lot of discipline in LRGC, Legislative Research General Council, that office. Um, they don't put their thumbs on the scale. They are nonpartisan. I mean, without fail, I've interacted with them extensively. He's a product of that. Uh, I think it's going to be easy for John to take off take off one hat and put on the other. Yeah, I mean, you can do that. I, I, when I was rules chair in the House, uh, John staffed it. And uh, as rules chair... Um, uh, the, every bill has to go through rules before it moves on. So there's a lot of power in that committee. And so John was my go-to. He was my consigliere on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had a lot of private conversations. I know how he thinks. I know how he acts. And uh, he's just a, a wonderfully decent so, human being. So you just make this post on Facebook that you have, you support him 100%. And then wh- how did this become a news story? Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I mean, I, I, I stepped on the gas when I talked about the problems I have with the Mormon church, and we can go into those. Let me, let me, let me correct myself. I don't have problems with the Mormon church. I have problems. I have a lot of love for it. I have problems with how it operates in the political realm. Um, but then a representative who's been there a short amount of time and I don't think has carried, you know, bills that matter much. I don't think he's been involved in anything big. He, he took me on and said, I had no idea what I was talking about. I'm like, (laughs) all right, all right. That, that warrants a response. And so, uh, then I pointed out, you know, the three elements of a magic trick and how he completely missed the magic trick and, uh, uh, what do you I, what do you what do you mean? Well, I mean it's from the Prestige, great movie. If you haven't seen it, I haven't. Um, oh, you gotta see it. it's great. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins and uh, David Bowie plays uh, Nikolai Tesla, and mm. it. it's, uh, it's awesome. Uh, that's Christian Bale and yeah, Christian uh, Bale. You have yeah. Wolverine and Batman in that. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so uh, he says the three elements of the trick, one is the pledge, that you hold it out and you say, this is what you're seeing. Here's a bird. Here's a hat. Here's a rabbit. It's touch it. It's perfectly normal. And because he was talking about, well, when the church lobbies me, there's nothing different. And so I said, well, that's the pledge. That's what they're giving to you. But the turn is when things they're not, you don't expect it. Something unexpected happens. And so I pointed out, I said, by the time they're talking to you, the decision's already been made. I mean, it's just a formality that they would bother to talk with you. You have no sway in this body. You have no sway over this issue. Um, you're, you're irrelevant to what already has been decided. Then the third part of the trick is you bring it back. And, uh, you know, making someone disappear, that's not the magic. Making the person come back, that's where the magic happens. Um, and so there, uh, what what Anthony Hopkins says in the movie, he says... It's Michael Caine, actually. Oh, it's Michael Caine. Oh, yeah. Jeez, I blew that. Michael Caine. Okay. Michael Caine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, dirty yeah. Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he... Uh, uh, He's also a Batman. Yeah, he says. He says, you know, you don't. You're looking to see what happened, but you're not really looking because you don't want to know. You want to be fooled, and mm-hmm. so that's what I pointed out to this representative. Is you know, you're posting on Facebook. There's nothing unusual about this because you don't want to see how unusual this is. Yeah, they brought it back. You had a le- liquor reform because I did this all in the context of liquor reform. I said, you know. I pointed out, you know, because he said my first three years up there, I told the church that, uh, you know, I was I was against them on the Zion Curtain, Zion Curtain being this foolishness where we hide drink mixing from people. And I even voted against how they wanted me. And so I pointed out, I said, you didn't cast any votes. Uh, Those first two years, there was a bill that never got out of rules because church whispered in people's ears and and. I mean, you're fooled by the magic here. You you had a conversation that you thought had meaning. 
you're 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 mm-hmm. you, you're, in, you're sitting next to them in the car. You tell the church, "Buckle up, you might not like this. I'm against you." And mm-hmm. you're hearing the car sounds. You're turning the wheel the whole time. The car's up on blocks. <laughs> There's there is no bill. There are no votes. They made it disappear. But then they brought it back in uh, this year, 2017. But it was preordained. I mean, you, none of the other representatives or senators had a chance to amend anything. I mean, an amendment on the floor, unheard of. You're not going to do that because all of this is being controlled by the church in the back rooms. They whisper to members of leadership. They don't even bother to talk to rank and file members, at least real mm-hmm. conversations mm-hmm. that have effect. And, you know, no other entity can do that. So, so they so they, uh, they have this guy who they say is their lobbyist, but he's just there. That's just that's just for show. Well, no, they have, a, and so they're, what they do, they have lobbyists, they have lawyers, and they go talk to members of leadership. Mm-hmm. And they have select members of leadership, and they whisper in their ear, this is what we need to happen, and magically it happens. And you don't have amendments on the floor to those bills. You don't really have discussion. Um, Did they? The, uh, now, you, you were in position of leadership in the House. Were you also, did you get any in the Senate? No, I was in, uh, I was chair of higher education appropriations. So, but I mean, I did they ever do that to you? Uh, the, yeah, they did it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take the uh, non-discrimination bill that we've been talking about. So I told you 2013, we passed out a committee. 2014, we couldn't even debate it. And uh, I was really, that's the maddest I've been up there. I mean, the genius of Madison and the founders is we take our toughest issues and push them to our legislative bodies. That's where the things that divide us, that threaten to tear us apart, that's where we mm-hmm. we air those things out and come up with solutions. And to say, okay, we have this Supreme Court case, this issue is white hot, we're not going to talk about it in 2014. I'm like, that. that's not how we operate. We're so much better than this. I but mean, that's how the church wanted it to happen. Yeah, well, exactly. We're that's, not going to talk about it. That's, that's what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. so uh, you might remember I had a press conference and— uh, right outside the closed Senate doors, the center doors. And the way that you communicate with senders, you send in blue notes. And so on a blue note, I wrote, here, SB 100. And I taped it to the door, and I encouraged people to do the same. And it was awesome. That was a Friday. came back on Monday, and, I mean, that door and the walls around it were just covered with blue notes. Here, SB 100, and messages. It was, it was super cool. Mm-hmm. But they, but they didn't. Didn't, and that's when the Capitol 13 went up. And, uh, oh, Troy Williams and uh, all of those other folks. Those, and, those hooligans mm-hmm. and outlaws. Got and arrested. They got arrested for blocking committee doors. Mm-hmm. and um, So, you know, it was cool, a little civil insurrection. And uh, so that, that really ramped up things and uh, heightened the controversy. So going into the 2015 session, media was calling saying, are you going to pass the bill this year? I said, I have no idea. I'm, I'm really pretty irrelevant to the process. All 104 legislators were really pretty irrelevant to this. You need to ask the church. If, if the Mormon church wants this bill to pass, it will pass. They'll say something about it. If, uh, if they don't want it to pass, they'll be silent and let decades of prior teachings carry the day. And so... <laughs> Immediately, uh, you sure you want to say that? I'm like, yeah, that's the truth. And so that kind of ramped things up. And all of a sudden, the New York Times, Washington Post, they were calling. They're saying, wait, wait, wait. Go over this bit about the church. They said, yeah, this is their issue. We we won't, won't decide this. The church will decide. And so they were calling the church. And I don't know if that factored in, but the church, I'm sure, was feeling pressure from various fronts. And so it... The second day of the session held a press conference and said, we want this to pass. Bam, it passed. I mean, it was, you know, we had to really struggle on language and they wanted a a bill outside of our existing statute that covers uh, race, age, gender. Religion. And so, yeah, religion. So, uh, Senator DeBacchus and I on that were like, yeah, bullshit, no way. We're not having a separate but equal provision. What we do to sexual orientation and gender identity, 
we're doing to the NAACP, to Anti-Defamation yeah. League, to, you know, it's going to be in this statute or we're not going to do it. And by that point, they had said, we need something to pass. And so we're like, well, we're not going to pass a piece of shit. That kind of puts you back in a position of, of some power. Right. Didn't it? That's interesting. Right. And so, you know, that is strength in the legislative process. At times, you need to walk away from your own bill if things are really going mm-hmm. bad. So we passed it, and that was the strength of the church is is legislators who the year before, I'm sure they were, you know, I would die before I voted for this because I'm defending my God. Well, they're elbowing each other out of the, elbowing <laughs> each other to mug for the camera at the signing ceremony, which yeah. was a, an amazing thing in the rotunda. So it was great. It was fun working with the church. And then the next year, um, <laughs> next year I was running hate crime legislation uh, because uh, you know, we don't have anything in there about sexual still, orientation, still gender identity. Right? Still don't. Yep. Because, yeah, they. so I think they thought that one wasn't going to go anywhere. But, um, you know, this was my 16th year up there. I was pretty good at it. And we blew it out of committee. I think it was 5-2, 6-1. I mean, we blew it out with strength and had the votes to uh, pass it out of the Senate. And then they killed it by press release. I mean, someone in the church media department said, we struck a delicate balance in 2015. It shouldn't be upset, blah, blah, blah. Let's go slow. And boom, it was dead at that point. Yeah. I mean, people who had committed to vote for it, uh, they're like, yeah, I'm no longer with you. I'm like, oh, geez, I wonder what changed. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Saw what do they think's going to happen to them? Well, that's, that's my point is, is, what? you know. They're going to go to hell. I mean, I don't know if you saw this thing. Something came out in on on uh, Mormon. What is it called? Mormon leaks or something? Wiki Mormon WikiLeaks, whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is. Uh, this past weekend, and so you know, I don't know if it's right or not. But you have uh, uh, Elder L. Tom Perry, who he was a point person in 2015 on this. Where around the same time, he's with the stake up in Layton, saying that we need to make sure our legislature protects the church. And, uh, you know, to me, that's just kind of weird that, you know, Jesus needs the protection of LeVar Christensen and the Utah legislature. I mean, I think, yeah, well, you know, I think he's a little more powerful than that. But it's interesting that this worldwide church, it just needs to be so active in the legislature in a little state of three million people to the extent that it's going to get down into the weeds of the criminal law. I mean, to me, it's just it's bizarre. And part of the reason, a big part of the reason why I I am speaking out about it is it needs to stop. And I've had a lot of members of the legislature since I've done this. And I mean, a lot send me texts and uh, Facebook messages saying, good job. You know, we need to be better. We shouldn't do this. But also, I think for the health of the state, this is creating divisions that don't need to be here. I mean, the church, again, I could I could spend hours talking about how awesome it is. You look at the homelessness issue, not only does it help out with that, the bigger story is it keeps the problem from being much worse by keeping people from falling into homelessness. You know, you look at the investments it makes in the state. I mean, it does so many good things. Why, why I mean, as, as you know, it's loathed in Salt Lake City in a lot mm-hmm. of circles. Mm-hmm. Why would that be? I think it's because people, well, they believe correctly that it is controlling the political fate of the state. It's in not, secret. In secret. It's an, yeah. I mean, that's fine. That's, Walk through the front door. That's, let's. That, yeah, that's what I like. What you yeah. said. It, it. You could. They could lobby for the same things. Just yeah. do it openly. Yeah, lobby. You have a lot of power. You're gonna win. But let's have these conversations out in the open, because you have non Mormons or lapsed Mormons who they're just frustrated think their vote doesn't matter, their representation doesn't matter because the church is going to whisper in someone's ear and it's just going to magically happen. And that is entirely how it happens. It needs to stop. And I think that that will make for a healthier state. Um, Is there anything you can do other than what you have done uh, now now that you're out of the legislature to to work on that kind of an issue? Is there any other than just just voice your opinion well i think we all need to talk about it i appreciate you giving time uh uh here on this show to to talk about it um i think people just shouldn't tolerate it you know that's how things work in a representative democracy things go along until we decide we're not going to tolerate this anymore 
um, these conversations help. Uh, I think anytime someone asks for your vote, uh, you need to ask that person, look, are you going to force the Mormon church to walk through the front door? Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to you know, require them if they have a position and you know that's guiding legislation, are you going to force them to sit down at a committee table and say it out in the open? Are you going to feel free to amend their bills, the bills they draft, just like any other bill that's out there? And again, I'm just, I'm wowed. I'm stunned by the reactions I've had from from very prominent legislators saying, yeah, you know, I'd love to be pissed at you on this, but you're right, <laughs> and you know you're right, and we we need to do better on this. Um, so now you're in private sector. You're you're doing work with the University of Utah, and uh, um, you're, you've moved. Uh, at least you and your wife have moved up to Salt Lake. You, the uh, how old are your kids? So they're uh, eighteen to twenty-two. We have four of them. A, a tight pattern. Um, <laughs> But uh, the uh, I'm a Republican. <laughs> that's how we talk. Um, the youngest is still at home. She'll be a senior at East High. Oh, so so you moved everybody up here. Did they? How did they? How did they feel? Uh, particularly the young one about leaving school in St. George. Well, she she loves St. George and Dixie High, and so she misses it. The others, uh, they were out. Um, you know, one goes to school in Boston. My daughter, who goes to the U, uh, she's starting a master's in public health. Uh, we get to spend a lot of time with her, which in part she loves, but I think in part <laughs> we've invaded we've invaded her space. Why did she, you come up here? Yeah, she she left us, and then we <laughs> followed her up <laughs> here. So sorry, Ruth. Uh, it's, uh, it's uh, terrific to talk to you and get to know you a little better through that, uh, talking about the legislature. You've, you oversaw a lot of, uh, well, you didn't, I mean, you were a part of a pretty big cultural shift, uh, not, uh, I mean, in the United States, and it was particularly a big cultural shift for, for the state of Utah. I remember... Uh, I, when I interviewed uh, Gary Herbert at the governor's mansion, and it was just a very friendly, it, it was wonderful. He took me through throughout the mansion, you know, and yeah. and showed me. He and he knows everything about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he knows all of that stuff that's hanging on the yeah, walls. Very, very and, personable. Yeah, and he uh, at one point, you know, I uh, and I've got we've got a photo of it. He's uh, standing there and he's got his arm around my shoulder, you know, and he's pointing at pictures and stuff on the wall. And uh, but right at the end of it, I said I, t- I promised I wouldn't ask you any political questions because he was pretty hesitant to do it. Yeah. And I said I wouldn't ask you any political questions. And I'm not sure if we did this on the air or not, I'd, or on the podcast or not. But I, I don't said, remember. Uh, what are you What are you going to do? How will you feel, Governor, when gay marriage becomes the law of the land, same sex marriage? And he said, Oh, I don't I, I don't support that, and I don't think that'll happen. It's not going to happen. And I said, oh, I, you know, I, I think you're on the wrong side of history there. Yeah. I think it's going to happen sooner than you think. And, and, it, and it happened faster than I thought it would. Oh but but he, he said, you know, he said, well, if it's the law of the land, then I'll uphold it. And, I yeah. will, and, and he said, it's not, I don't have anything against the people. Yeah. You know, he said, if it's the law of the land, I will uphold it, and and that's that's my job as a governor. And I, I had a great deal of respect for him for that. Yeah. You know? But then, so. didn't he not? Didn't he fight it with our tax money to the Supreme Court? A little, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Herbert versus Kitchen, but that he felt that was his job uh, as as the governor of the state of Utah, representing his constituents. He, that's, he felt that that was his job to do it. Yeah, it's, I mean, what extraordinary times. It's Most of these societal changes, they, they take forever. And, you know, being new to the movement, easy for me to say, wow, it was so fast. And, you know, you take, uh, you know, Connell Donovan, you take Jim DeBack. His folks have been around a long time. They're like, there wasn't anything fast about yeah, this. Yeah, no, but, there wasn't. But, but you know, for those of us who, who weren't there from the inception, it does just seem whipsaw fast. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad that uh, my daughter in Equality Utah, that folks got me uh, to the side of the angels when they did so so I could be uh, along for the ride and hopefully help out in this state. There's still a lot of work to do. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just been amazing to see. And... Y- y-
probably the most amazing thing for me was my relationship with my constituents is I thought, okay, I know these people very well. Anytime I go to a ball game, grocery store, they're always, hey, just one thing. And, mm-hmm. um, so I thought, oh my gosh, they're, I'm going to take this step and I hope they'll be with me. And uh, the, the people, this issue, it's decided. And I think some Republican uh, politicians and leaders, they... They miss that because they hear some loud, angry voices and some scared voices, but it's it's done. Yeah. I mean, too many people, they just like I did with my daughter's friends, they just know too many gay people. They just know, too, you know, and they're just like, they're just people. Or who, they're in your family or, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, like where I am now, it's like, oh, you know, I know this person who... Uh, you know, really likes great movies. Would like to talk about musicals, and, and I think he might be gay. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really matter. And you know, that's that's just where we are as a society. And this is this state. The impulses of this state. These are just good people wanting to do good things. Truly, do want to love their neighbor. And this issue's over. Yeah, we've been, we 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 need to kind of wrap this up. But it'd be great to talk to you sometime too about. Uh, you know, what's happening right now in terms of seeing these racial divides uh, pop up. They've come, they've been invited out into the open, I'm afraid. They've been, they've been kind of shadowy and kept, kept behind doors for a, for a long while. But, but someone invited them out and said, come on, come on out, come on out and let's show your faces. And, and, uh, Politically, the light of day is a great thing, and uh, invite them out, and then step on them like roaches. I mean, that's that's where I think we are as a society. We we tolerate racism less and less and less. And you see this nonsense in Charlotte. You see KKK and all these folks. People, uh, yeah, bring it out in the open, and then let's stomp on it and squash it. We're doing better and better as a society. Uh, Steve Urquhart. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your croissant sandwich. Very tasty. All right. Thank um, you. Thanks for the conversation. Uh, thanks, Dylan, for producing the show. You're welcome. You've- thanks to the people at 50 West Cafe for the breakfast. It was really good. Yeah. And, uh, uh, well, that's it for the Let's Go Eat show this time. I'm Bill Allred. Remember, if you're pouring drinks, always make mine a double. Broadway Media Podcast Network.